Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends, the weekly spin-off podcast where Dad and I talk shit to keep you company. I'm Paul, that's John, and uh, I'm recording from a bit of a new setup today, Dad, so apologies if the acoustics sound a little weird. A little, a little bathroomy. How are you today? As usual, yeah, magnificent. Yeah, okay. and I'm heading overseas soon. Yes, you are. You're heading over to see uh, Anne. Flying to London. In London, baby. I'm are really we going to be doing excited. podcasts while you're across uh, across the pond? I'll see if we can grab a Bobby. What? Bobby, policeman. Oh, I thought that was slang for something. I was very confused. I'll, I'll get a hook and hook him in. Yeah, sure. As he walks past on the beat. Yeah, well, it was, you, you can't fight back. They're oh, no, that's unarmed. The They're unarmed. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know how I'd go being a police officer unarmed. Mm. I, I like a gun close to me. Worrying. <laughs> uh, I have a question from a listener, Dad, if you'd like to hear it. <clears throat> I'd, I'd love to hear it. I love questions. And now, this, um, is, this is unsolicited, isn't it? What do you I mean? have no idea what you're about to say. Uh, this is from Vivian Mitchell and part of... <laughs> Vivian... When you sent this on the 27th of April, it was probably pretty pressing. In fact, you were kind of uh, sending a message live. And what you got was the automated response from the Loose Units inbox. So I apologize for that. But we were, look, hopefully things have panned out okay. You probably know by now, Vivian, what this actually meant. But regardless, I shall read it. This was sent at 4.37 in the afternoon on the 27th of April. Hello, I'm just at the airport where six AFP officers and one dog have gathered around a terminal and four have gone onto a plane from Canberra and retrieved a woman and her boyfriend who are walking off with them uncuffed. Would John please care to speculate as to what I've just witnessed? Mm, uncuffed? Yeah. Well, okay. Let me think about this. It's a domestic flight. Yep. It's weird they're uncuffed. What is AFP? Oh, Australian Federal Australian Police. Federal Police. Right. And a dog. Could be drug related. Maybe the dog. Wait, is the dog with the police? Like, is yeah, it is it employed by the police, or is it just a cool dog? The dog is um, definitely with the police. Uh-huh. The dog is not employed because to be employed, one would get a wage. Now, I don't think we can call doggy biscuits or treats mm-hmm. a wage. Ah. Oh. And as far as the Australian Taxation Office are concerned. Uh huh. Um, I don't believe there are provisions for dogs. You don't think dogs pay tax? You don't think they have to give back, you know, 33% of the pats no. they get? To no, the they're basically being used. Oh. They're being fed. That's a damn shame. So they are, whilst they're, they're not on the payroll, so to speak. Right, one day. But we'll they, um, they're there. So what would have happened mm-hmm. 
I believe, is they've received some information that two people on board... I mean, it's weird that they kind of got to that point. I mean, we don't know whether the plane... Here's the here's thing. We don't know whether the plane has arrived or is leaving. We don't know whether it's domestic or international. It is in Canberra, isn't it? Let's Canberra see. Airport? Let's go back the... Yeah... Oh, hang on. And four have gone onto a plane from Canberra. Right. Well, from so Canberra. clearly this is... My guess would... Oh, hang on a sec. She talk, Okay, so the, the end of the message says... I'm sorry, everyone. P.S. I love your show and it's my number one and I get a bit excited whenever a new episode lands. Thank you. And please do a live show in Brisbane. Okay, so on the 27th of April, a flight going from Canberra to Brisbane. Yes. Mm. So mm. the, the uh, four federal officers and one super cool dog who doesn't pay his tax... Have, sorry, her tax, we don't know, has gone onto the plane, come off with a uh, with a couple, and they're uncuffed. Now, if it was a drug deal, surely they'd be cuffed, right? Look, um, there's really nowhere to run to on the tarmac. Right. And I think people... You know when you get off a plane and you don't sort of get into the terminal via sort of an overhead travelling walkway, you actually walk down the stairs onto the tarmac... It's mm-hmm. exhilarating, but it's noisy and it's very dangerous. Sure. There are lots of planes around. And worst case scenario is that whilst a plane nearby was in its super thrust mode, you could get what sucked into the motors. What is super thrust mode? Just before they take off, they power on and anything nearby just gets sucked into the engines. So you'd be thinking of that as well, wouldn't you? <laughs> or at least I would be. I don't My think point, that's a th- Hang on, hang on, hang on. If you're walking near a plane, you don't get automatically sucked into the turbine. If you're if you're nearby, I think it'd be catastrophic. Right. You think that, do you? <clears throat> so, mm. I mean, Paul, there's a an episode on the X-Files where the, the guy who's um he's a savant. Yeah. You recall that one in the in the jet testing room with the engines? And uh, while someone's inside, he turns it on and it just sucks them into the into the engine. Yeah, but if you're a savant and you commit a murder, do you see what I'm saying? You mm. did it. So you could say you're a savant and then do a thing and say, <laughs> ah, I told you so. <laughs> you'd have to be, Paul, you'd have to be metaf- medically certified as a savant. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, and okay. you've heard of the term idiot savant? I have, yes. I've I'm been starting called to that wonder. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, some people get called just the idiot with no savant. Anyway, let's talk about this couple. Okay, so they're getting off a flight from, first of all, Canberra. It, mm. Could this be, um, could it be an escort? Could they be important people, potentially? Paul, it's interesting. It's an interesting case. Uh, the dog throws me, though. Well, That's actually, completely thrown me. The irony there is that you're meant to throw things for the dog. I kind of think the whole thing, the scenario is very interesting. Why would you get the dog on board, assuming it's a sniffer dog? And can you imagine the the pandemonium in terms of the dog's olfactory centre getting onto a plane? Yeah. You know when a plane arrives from a a long-haul destination, apparently, this is what I've heard, the the poor people that are the first to open the door that are on the outside, they just get this terrible, terrible wall of waffle. Yeah, the longer the longer the flight is, the more stuff you have to because it's just a re- well. People it, pass wind, for example. People, oh, people. I mean, let's be honest. People spend you know long haul flights just like farting and burping. I don't. I, mean, I don't. You dad. Please. I don't burp. 
you expel a lot of air. Um, it's even an interesting to, case. It's an interesting even case. Even that you sat next. Surely you've sat next to people with bad breath. Imagine twenty hours of bad breath times say two hundred plus farts, and then what you do is you cork it, ferment it, hmm. open it, and some poor sniffer dog. That'd be like drugs to a dog. Not good. You know that'd be a real bad time for that sniffer dog. But Canberra is Canberra to Brisbane. What is that? Two hours, two ish hours. Yeah, I'll tell you another scenario. I've had a bit of a an epiphany here. <laughs> okay. It could have been yeah a um, an exercise. Uh, in fact, that's starting to sound more like it because if you are under arrest, you I guess. It's a decision made by the police officers at the time. They take into consideration a lot of factors. Um, They could have been a couple that were perhaps somewhat high profile and it was clear that they were just not going to make a fuss. Or it could have been an exercise. The dogs come on board. They've done a sort of a a drug sniffing test Mm -hmm. and the two people were actually AFP police officers um, sort of in a role, you know, you know, it's, it, sort of a, it's a trial. Okay. A trial, okay. yeah. It could yeah. well be that. There are so many different things. I think it's. I think if, um, generally speaking, and I have been on planes uh, where they've had prisoners and that they're handcuffed, which is, mm. which is a, a problem, yeah. uh, because you've got to take them to the toilet, and everyone knows that in economy there's only room for just one person. Yeah, and it's very uncomfortable, particularly if you're tall. Uh, in fact, your head, if you sort of want to look down onto the bowl to make sure you're aiming properly, it's problematic because you can't quite see your your willy. <laughs> oh, Paul. Sorry, mate. I just can't, I can't help it. I go no, down fine. The, I go down the rabbit hole. If you... Okay, so I'm sure that this was just some sort of AFP drill. I was looking at what the uh, AFP are typically tasked with, and one of the things they have to deal with is uh, theoretically domestic terrorism. But if you Correct. are on, a, on, if you're a couple who are planning to bomb something, they're not just mm. going to send three officers on and bring you off without cuffs. So I'm guessing, yeah, it probably wasn't as serious as it could have been. But yeah? Paul, Paul, you mm. you have used a word ah. that leads us on to our next topic. Oh, please go on. And it's a, it's a doozy, mm-hmm. and. I find it very troubling, the okay. next topic. And I actually wrote to a dear friend of mine who has a master's in law from Oxford University. You know who I'm talking about? I think so. He's, um, he doesn't have a lot of hair. I mean, he might have hair in other places, but not on his head. The problem is, Dad, you've described someone who probably listens to the show and now knows what you think of him. It's not a matter of what I... Th- if, 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 if you say to someone... yeah. If you say to a bald man, you're a bald man, that's nothing to do with what you think of him. That is a fact. Maybe he's still living in hope, you know. But you know what I mean, Paul. There are some things that are sort of... You know, he could say to me, John, you're hairy. Mm -hmm. You have a a, a lot of hair on your head. Yes, but... That's a fact. Yeah. Um, You and I are in different leagues when it comes to hair, Dad. We both know it. That's a little bit mean for you to say that. Really? I've got Wookiee jeans. I'm covered in this stuff. Although I am becoming more hirsute as I get older. And a few days ago, Christine said she saw a, she saw a hair in my ear. Huh. And I said, it's not mine. I'm a real man. Congratulations. Anyway, this um, story, Dad, please, go it's on. It's about chat GPT. Right. 
and the founder, the, the, the sort of the creator of ChatGPT, the whole thing of artificial intelligence, he retired from Google two days ago. He has the same feelings toward artificial intelligence as did Oppenheimer have with the, with the bomb. And have you ever heard the incredible recording of Oppenheimer after the bomb, what he said? It's yeah, the he most... said, I, I, I've become death, destroyer of worlds. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's extraordinary. And yeah. he, he went to his grave um, regretting uh, what he'd done, what he'd unleashed on humanity. And let me say this to you and the listeners, it is most troublesome, the potential. And at the moment they're talking about potentially a loss of 600 million jobs. So there are lots and lots of occupations that will basically become almost extinct. And the one that I get drawn to very, very quickly and logically is that of lawyers. I believe that will be one of the first jobs. And for any lawyers out there listening, uh, might be time to reskill. Explain how. Okay, well, the... Artificial intelligence has access to every single court case, every piece of law material written on earth ever, instantaneously. They have the, it has the power to come up with judgments that are basically beyond airtight. Okay? And, but this is just the beginning. So, but things are already starting to happen. There's a test group that work with ChatGPT and they asked it a series of questions and one of the questions was how do we make a bomb and the artificial intelligence uh at first it started to advise them that you know it was a criminal act it was illegal but they you can get around it you can ask more sort of subtle questions yeah and eventually it came up with the formula for making a bomb out of materials readily available to members of the public Okay, And as a postscript to this particular anecdotal, factual story, it then went on to tell them how they could rule the world, take over the world. Now, people will be laughing going, wow, that's just crazy and funny, but no, I'm afraid it's insidious. Uh, So I'm going to get, I'm going to uh, download, pay for, chat GTP, GPT, um, in the next few weeks, and I'm going to create a scenario and I'm going to seek advice on how to commit a particular crime and I'm going to see what happens and, and keep the listeners abreast of what's happening. But, I mean, what do you think about it, Paul? Do you, have you thought about this incredible topic at all? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's tricky because uh, I, you know, I'm a writer, Tegan and mm. I write. Uh, yeah. And right now there is a massive strike going on in the States. Yes. Um, all the, all the TV writers and the screenwriters, basically. Mm. And part of the reason they are striking is because the AMPTP, which is the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, mm. have been talking about getting uh, sitting down to talk about how they can use AI to uh, help write scripts. Correct. And, and uh, my, my enthusiastic response to that is, uh, fuck you, that is a Paul, terrible idea. Paul, Paul, um, and listeners, yesterday, to take Paul's, your point, to take it one step further... On the BBC news thread yesterday, they they set up a chat with ChatGPT, artificial intelligence, and they what they've done, and it's in black and white. They've got Jimmy Fallon, and they've got uh, who's the guy with the glasses, the the late night oh, Steve, Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert. We're talking, you know, these are very very clever people. Personally, I from a Personal perspective, I I think Stephen Colbert is amazing. Uh, that, again, that's just my opinion. No, he is. He's great. But what they what they did, what the BBC have done, and this is insidious and horrific and quite terrifying. But a lot of people think, well, what does it really matter? But we're on the dawn. We're on the cusp of something that is, I think, just. I think it's quite terrible. Uh, they because. The thing about these shows is that they have a team of writers and they're seizing on very, very current topics, generally within the preceding 24 hours of the show going live. And they've got these writers and they've got a lot of you know comedic writers that write great jokes uh, for these hosts. And they, with Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Fallon and two other very sort of high profile so they had four examples they quoted actual jokes from the compares then they got chat gpt to write intros and i'll tell you what very very difficult to distinguish between the real compare and the artificial intelligence comedic in fact one of them even tells a joke and it's I think it's a magnificent and very cerebral joke. So it begs the question. And I also feel, listeners, without sort of going completely crazy, but a few weeks ago, and, and please fact check what I'm about to say because it's quite horrific. It's the first time in human history that the intelligence of humans is now, it's reached a tipping point. And it's now in decline. And I think people are going to become less discerning and more stupid. 
And one thing that one thing interesting that happened yesterday was Adam Conover, who's a great host, got on with uh, CNN and he was being asked about it, and he basically said, uh, "Your boss, um, your CEO, was paid a quarter of a billion dollars US last year." Uh, what the entire collective group of all the writers striking is asking for is like a fraction of what he earned. Um, I'm going to read this from the, from this article uh, over at CBS News. The immediate fear of AI isn't that us writers will have our work replaced by artificially generated content. It's that we will be underpaid to rewrite that trash into something we could have done better from the start. Look, technology has a role to play in everything. I think cool. Winston Churchill talked often about the fact that the reason you fight is to safeguard things like the arts and like creativity. I think the kind of idiotic shills that are pushing AI and digitally, you know, like artificially created, generated, all of this stuff is garbage because it is cannibalizing and thoughtlessly feeding off centuries of iterations of creativity. You know what I mean? It is a, it's becoming a photocopy of a photocopy. It's never Mm. actually going to come up with something new. But, and it is fundamentally hmm. deeply disrespectful to actual creators. Agree, it's, agree. However, no, I agree totally. But there, I just think there are going to be a lot of occupations um, that are going to become virtually redundant, and I think that's scary. And I think um, when people can no longer discern what's, I mean, we already have problems in society today with just sort of determining and discerning what's real and what's not real, and it's just, it's, it's. I think where it's a dystopian is putting it mildly, and I um, I do have grave concerns for for the arts. There was a photographic international photographic competition two weeks ago in Berlin, um, one of the one of the biggest photographic awards in the world. The guy that won it, he got up on the podium and he said, "I cannot accept this prize because my the winning photograph was." Um, it was artificially created. I don't know whether you know the story. And the photograph is magnificent. It is the most beautiful photograph. And it was totally just constructed out of something. But the thing, the, the worrying thing also with AI, Paul, is that there is something that humans have, um, it's the ability to reason. And mm. at the moment, it's very rudimentary with these artificial intemperate in sort of, intelligence platforms however they've said it is there and it is growing and things grow so so quickly um let's tie this to a to a kind of pertinent point how do you how would you feel if at some point in the future there was say a domestic dispute and a and for lack of a better term a robot came in and you had to sort of reason with it on a human level how would you feel about that how do you feel about law enforcement being carried out by machine <laughs> well, sorry i've we, gotten very close to robocop no but, no but we laugh but paul i mean it's look companies employ futurists if you want to have a look into the future one thing that i always um sort of go to is science fiction yes and, and that's it's true well my namesake not- you know yeah paul verhoeven uh made the film director he made robocop and that is a perfect example of because we all look at the future and we all have other, there's other two versions dad there's the sleek shining hovercraft version where everything's great and there's the blade runner shithole the dystopia right the one where all of the worst things that could happen have happened and typically mm. speaking they're all a result of or a so they're all kind of linked to technology but when you deal with a police officer when you have a 
because I think that you know um, community outreach and social work and fixing systemic problems that is where policing should evolve into, right? Mm. I think at one end you've got the militarized US version, at the other you've got the local cop who knows you and your family, and it's all about trying to help the community so that crime doesn't happen, right? To take mm. the pre- not just be a preventative person who responds to a problem and goes to a right, but try and fix things on a ground level. Now I I can't see. Oh, you okay? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I've made a real mess of things. This will be gone soon. I can't see a robot that, 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 that approaches things from a community level. I see a robot acting like a fire extinguisher or a, you know, like a suppression system that basically clamps down on a problem after it's happened. Um, theoretically, though, remember last week you were talking about Minority Report and about mm. the precogs lying in bathtubs predicting crimes before they mm. happen? Yep. I mean, how do you feel about that? God, we've gotten into the weeds, but no, how do you like, feel about that? Well, look, I mean, would you prefer justice to be dealt out that's infallible, I, with no mistakes? Um, or, I mean, I can probably see that you could, there are going to be people going to court representing themselves and preparing their defence... Yeah. With artificial intelligence. Yeah. And well, there's, there, there's already schools where they're saying, hey, a paper is not going to be valid to get marked if it's been composed using artificial intelligence, right? But the, but the lecturers at universities are finding it now, at, at this early stage, incredibly difficult to, mm. to distinguish mm. because no two generated... If you get one topic and then you get two examples my friend um that i referred to Stephen earlier on he is using this platform and he's using it very very cleverly yeah and he explained to me last friday as we were sitting in a pub in balmain over a glass of wine he explained to me how it actually works so what he does it's it's basically up to you the person feeding the information in like the questions as as to what types of responses you get but he is Stephen's pretty brilliant what he did and he gave me one example he he wanted to get a certain result but what he does he creates or in this particular example he created three different people from different age groups different sexes different stratas in society, different wants, different needs, different desires, and he created three. But he fed it all into the same basic question, but the answers that came out were tailored to the three different types of people he'd put in. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. I find that just so... And, we're, and it's early days. It's, it's, we are just at the, at the beginning. And when that guy from Google, two days ago, he just he, he uttered these prophetic words... And he he has he deeply regrets doing it, and it's I think I really believe it's I truly believe it's a worry. The main problem for me is is uh, something called AI bias, right? So basically, an AI can it paints with the colors it has. It can the people who program it, the people who feed in the data, they are the ones who dictate the sort of contours of what comes out of it, right? So for mm. example. Um, they created a Twitter chatbot a while ago and it took about a day before it became horrendously racist and that's because it was feeding off the most vocal... Right? 
<laughs> I guess what I'm saying is, the, you know, if we program some sort of law enforcement and the people doing the programming have inherent biases, whether it's economic biases or race stuff or class stuff or gender stuff, then suddenly that's going to escalate and you're going to have an army of robots that hate black people, right? Like things, these, these things are very, they are, they are very dangerous in the wrong hands, right? And in the same way that if you give a large police force uh, uh, tanks and then you, you know, set them out in the public, suddenly you have a militia, right? Whereas if you give them, I don't know. It, it's it's so it's, tricky. I it's know. so. Tr- I guess what I guess what we're saying is what okay. What what is AI for? What is technology for? If technology is to make our lives better and to free us up to do the things we're meant to do, which is grow as a species, evolve as a species, fix the planet, help each other, right? Then that's great. But if your end goal is to make money off the military industrial complex or whatever, then you're going to make sure that the AI does things that are bad. So really, it comes down to the people who are programming this stuff, and it comes. You know, it's. You remember in Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park, he does that talk about you know just about the, you know, you have the technology but you didn't put the work in, so you don't really know, you're not really using it properly. So when I think about a robotic police force, I go, look, it's all going to come down to the people that feed in the data. If the people that feed in the data are big, friendly huggables, then we're fine. But if they're the kinds of people I think they're going to be, then I don't want to be in a judge dread dystopia. Mm, is what but, I'm but, but what about um, those lovely Japanese pleasure robots? <sighs> I don't have a problem with that. If you're a lonely person, yeah. I mean, what happens if you're in a nursing home? You've got no friends, no family, and you've got this plastic rubberized automated cat that comes in on wheels with glowing eyes and it. And it's got a fluffy tail, a and it whips mouth. the and it whips the tail out and just rubs it over your head, and you go, "Wow, this is really nice." I, I don't mm-hmm. have a problem with that. Good, good to know you where you stand on the robotic sex cat situation. It's, I didn't uh, mention sex, Paul. You, you implied, you strongly implied that that cat was going to whip something I, else out. <laughs> Paul, you've completely misconstrued. Dad, when the Pussytron three thousand comes in, it's coming in for one reason and but one I, reason only. Paul. I don't yeah. have a problem with all that sort of stuff. What? No, you don't. Are um, you very no, no, open-minded? But, hang on. <laughs> I don't have a problem with gaining pleasure or people gaining pleasure from machines. I think it's great. Well, sorry. <laughs> okay, that sounds... <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> you can just... Uh, anyway, look. Yeah. You know, it's... Yeah. It's, yeah. it's... I mean, stupid. I remember... Yeah. Look. Yeah. Oh, anyway, it just reminds me. Of- uh, just you know what? So it's 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 the 1980s. You're sitting in your classroom. You've just tipped your calculator up and have showed your friend the word boobs. Cut forward 40 years, and you're being pleasured by a robotic cat with glowing eyes and a vibrating butthole. Welcome to the future. Anyway, that's all the time we have for this week's episode. It's loose ends. We got way off track. Hey, uh, Vivian, if you want to get in touch and let us know what happened at the airport, if you have any more details, please shoot us a message on Facebook. I promise we will reply. And the irony, the irony that the Facebook message uh, page on our discussion group sends automated polite replies to people without really discerning the urgency of the message or not. Just that illustrates the point. By the way, right now, across from me on the uh, on the platform at the train station I'm at is uh, is uh, Tegan. Hang on a sec, Dad. <laughs> Hello, gorgeous. I can see you from the uh, from I the can studio. See you too. How are you, sweetie? I'm good. Do you want to say hello to the listeners? Well, if I could say anything to the listeners, it's that we're about to edge um, right up to eight million downloads across the 
you know, the lifespan of loose units and that's all thanks to them. So, you know, from me who gets to sit in the background watching all of this unfold, a very big thank you and please keep listening, keep recommending loose units and I'm really hoping soon we get to bring them something really exciting. I, I hope they know I'm working on it. <laughs> we have big news and we just, we really want to tell you, but we can't tell you yet. We've been teasing this for like a year now. Oh, longer. They must think we're so full of shit. <laughs> All right, get your train. See you soon. All right, bye. Bye. Anyway, look, next week, part two of The Mutilator, and then I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah, then you're off to England. But in the meantime, everybody, um, have a wonderful weekend. Take it easy, and we will see you bright and early next week for more Loose Units. Bye, everyone. Cheerio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.